Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God be with us this day and every day in Jesus. Amen. This morning we'll continue our Road to Recovery series, looking back across the last, well, almost year and a half of pandemic and things that we were instructed to do, required to do, things that were recommended to us, and look at moving from COVID to confidence in Christ. Early in the pandemic, back in March of last year, when most of it was a mystery, not just to us, but to even CDC and WHO and whatever other initial organizations there are, when it was, we're not sure exactly how this started and how people are getting it and how it's being transmitted from one person to another. Shelter in place, we talked about last week, was the initial, everybody needs to do this. Right. We know it's a virus. We know it's being transmitted somehow. Shelter in place, and therefore, we'll just block off those possibilities. Right. And then I think the second thing we heard was, wash your hands. <laughs> Wash your hands frequently and well. I think when I was growing up, I didn't wash my hands so well. As long as they were damp, I could call it good. Water turns on, hands go in, hands come out, water turns off. On my way, right? There's things to do. So probably it was not uncommon for me to arrive at mealtime, and my hands wouldn't be all that clean, especially if I was playing outside in the dirt. The dirt would be, you know, packed in under the fingernails and into the, the little, I don't know, gaps or whatever that is that makes up your fingerprints. My hands would be dirty. So it was pretty common to hear, wash your hands before we would eat. But what we learned a year ago, a little over, was wash your hands, not just get them wet, but wash them with warm water and soap. <laughs> and say the ABCs twice. Remember that? I remember actually doing that a few times. A, B, C. And then my mind starts to wander and I probably lose track and think, no, oh, that's probably clean. <laughs> Maybe not, I'll stay here a little longer. Good example, that's right. This is not recommended. I'm, this is not... This is not the top five things that are recommended. This is just how life was for me. Some people's hands started becoming chapped and rough from frequent washing. What the pandemic brought to light was our common problem. Our common problem is this. Our hands are not clean. Not just if the dirt is visible, but there's germs and bacteria. Sometimes on our hands even if they look completely clean. As many know, when our sons were born, they were both born premature, like roughly three months early. They were tiny little kids and got ushered in immediately into the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit. And so when Max, who's 23 now, um, was in there for about a month, well, when he first went in, then we learned all the protocols. And there are protocols for these places, which they absolutely have to have, right? So we would go in and 
the first station we would visit would be the, the sinks, and there were things that you step on for the water, and it comes on so you don't have to touch anything, and then there's, there were these, like, you peel it off and kind of a sponge. And in there, I'd never washed my hands like I did in that place. Nor should I have. I mean, this was like two minutes of washing, not just twice through the ABCs. And it was scrub up to the elbow with this sponge that had some special, really obnoxious kind of cleansing agent in it. But, uh, you know, obnoxious, but required. It was important. And so we did that. Every day as we would visit him, we would wash up to the elbow. We did this with Drew, too, so don't worry that we didn't wash with you. But we did that time after time after time, and it became a ritual, like you enter, you wash, then you could go visit, then you could go to the side of the isolate and open the little hatches and reach in. That was our life. About a month into Max's time in the NICU, he got sick, and his body started doing things that well, first he was gaining weight, and we thought that was really great until he was just retaining all of his fluids. And his kidneys weren't doing what they needed to do, and the whole system was off. And so there was medication, and there were tests that were done. And we found out later the doctors actually weren't sure that he was going to turn the corner. But he did, and we're grateful. And when we finally, after he was getting better, found out how it happened. They said that something was transferred to him. Somebody didn't wash. But it wasn't necessarily that they were accusing us or suspicious of us. Because what they said was it could have been anybody. It could have been a nurse. It could have been some other person who was visiting a different child who didn't wash well and touched a surface. And maybe we touched the same surface and picked it up and transferred it to him. Somehow he got that. So the idea of surface contact transmission was ingrained. The Pharisees make an observation that the disciples' hands are defiled here in this text from Mark chapter 7. The translation of that word that is defiled comes from the Greek word koinice, which has the same root as koinonia. Koinonia is the word that we use for the Greek language that was spoken at the time of Jesus. And it simply means common. Not clean, not set apart, just regular. Of the people, common. Like just going through life. So that's why it's referred to Koinonia is like colloquialism, like dialect of the people. Like in the South, it's where they say y'all, right? And maybe, well, I, every now and then I'll say y'all because it's built into my dialect. It's not quite as common here, though. But the hands were common. They were not clean, according to the Pharisees. The common problem that plagues us isn't dirt and bacteria on our hands. It's that we are stained with sin. And the Bible often equates sin with being unclean. We heard these words in Psalm 24 toward the beginning of our service. 
Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? This is verse 4. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And Leviticus talks about cleansing, and Ezekiel talks about being sprinkled and cleaned. Why? From sin. And James chapter 4 says this at verse 8, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We even use that same kind of language, that same, those same kinds of words when we talk about things that are dirty and things that are clean. And we say cleanliness is next to godliness, and so we try to wash. We want to wipe away our own guilt. Pilate did the same. Pilate was concerned with his role in the trial of Jesus. Remember this? Comes up when we get to Good Friday and Jesus is on trial and Pilate is stuck in the middle, right? He doesn't find any guilt in Jesus, but he has a mob on his hands and he's stuck as the political person in charge of the area. And this is what it says in Matthew 27 about that day. When Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. The washing of his hands was supposed to visually indicate that he was off the hook. But in our creeds, and we just confess this, he was crucified under whom? Not the crowd, but Pontius Pilate. We try to wash, we try to clean. Shakespeare fans will remember Macbeth, probably. It's one of the only Shakespeare plays that I had to read as a high school student and analyze and write papers about and do all those things. So there's lines from Macbeth that are still stuck in the back of my head someplace. In the, just to give you the plot real quick, Macbeth is told he's going to become the king. Lady Macbeth hears about that and says, hey, let's make this happen now. And the way you do that is eliminate the king. Seems convenient. (laughs) Not to the king. But immediately after coming back from doing that, the murder of King Duncan, Lady Macbeth says, go get some water and wash this filthy witness from your hand. As his hands are bloody. After a few lines, she says this, retire we to our chamber. A little water clears us of this deed. Have you tried the same? To, To wash away the guilt, to remove, to conceal, to cover any evidence. We try, and we try to please God. This was what the traditions of the Pharisees and elders were aimed at doing, aimed at pleasing God, aimed at carrying out the things that God, or at least they thought God wanted them to do. Verses 3 and 4 in Mark chapter 7 here were about what all the Jews do before eating or after the marketplace. There's a washing that happens. And for the most part, it was a ritual washing. And maybe it was like I washed as a kid. Get the hands wet and we're good to go. 
And they wash the cups and the plates and the dining couches, which sounds weird to us, right? Especially if you eat in your living room. That's a lot of washing. Those traditions were built from commands from God. Commands about being clean, about being washed. Commands that were designed to keep the people clean and pure, but building on that, tradition expanded the commands. And Mark 7, verse 8, Jesus says, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. It becomes a never-ending, vicious cycle. We try to keep the rules. We try to obey. We fall short. We fail. We feel the guilt and the shame. Lady Macbeth had said, a little water clears us of this deed. But if you know the play, you know that's not true. Because by the time you get to later in the play, she's sleepwalking, imagining spots on her hands, saying, out, damned spot, out, I say, trying to get clean, trying to remove that spot, but she cannot, nor can Pilate, nor can you or I, and so we have to cry out, give us clean hands. Psalm 51, the penitential psalm of David, the psalm that he wrote in recognition of his guilt over Bathsheba, not just with her, but about her husband as well. And if you don't know that story, we can catch you up. Let me know afterward. But he says this, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. We ask and Jesus forgives our sins. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the cleansing we need not by washing our hands up to the elbow for two minutes or two times through the alphabet, but the cleansing of our sin that comes from Jesus alone. If we back up a couple verses in 1 John 1, it says, The blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin by the death of Jesus on the cross. For you and for me, we are cleansed, we are washed, we are purified from our sinfulness, from the guilt that we carry, from the shame that we feel, from all that we've done. We're clean. We're clean in Christ, and we are washed. The Apostle Paul writes to Titus in chapter 3, he says this, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So it's not by keeping traditions and commandments. It's not through ritual washing. It's through the washing of regeneration, through the renewal of the Holy Spirit, words that relate to our baptism where we are washed in the water. Ironically, the tradition of the Pharisees, when they wash all these things, and they wash themselves, wash their cups and plates and dining couches, 
The word there is baptizo, baptize. These men who were still hung up on traditions were baptizing, same Greek word, which means to wash. Right? They're baptizing their hands, but the waters of baptism that God introduced for us are where we really become clean. In the forgiveness of Jesus is where we really become clean. Because traditions can't cleanse us, but by the grace of God, we're washed and cleansed. In a couple weeks, we're going to tell you about the bicycling mission trip that Gene and I went on a few weeks ago. And um, One of the events, I just want to bring this in now because um, it relates well to this message today. One of the things that we did was to... Um, was a spiritual development exercise, a devotion for the evening. And so we were talking about the grace of God and the washing of our sin. And so I had this plan because it was uh, something I was going to lead the students and, and all the counselors through. We were going to take chalk and go out on the parking lot and make marks on the pavement of that were just represented our sin, our guilt, our shame. Just write it down. Make a mark, make a letter, make, draw a picture, whatever you want to do. And the kids were going to spread out, and I say kids, I mean, they're 15 to 20-year-olds. Those are kids to me still. But um, they're going to spread out, so nobody's going to see each other's writing or drawing or whatever it is. If you want to keep it private, you can just make a mark that doesn't mean anything to anybody else. This was the instruction. I've done similar things um, in other times and with confirmation students in the past. Then I was going to take buckets of water and just wash away that chalk so that it was gone. Well, the buckets I had were like this big. And the chalk that we had was pretty good sidewalk chalk. And as we went outside, it was just starting to mist just a little. A little sprinkle, a little drizzle. Not yet? It hadn't yet? Oh, that's right. There's lightning off in the distance. By the time I got outside, maybe. Um, lightning off in the distance, but we thought, oh, we got time to get this done. So the... People are writing and drawing and doing the thing. And so I'm getting a bucket, and I take it to the first person, and I pour it down, and some of it's still there, so I'm like doing this with my foot. And then the sprinkling begins. I'm like, well, there's people out here who need to hear the forgiveness of Jesus, need to, let's, you know. So I'm going from person to person, and I'm, by the time I'm getting done, I'm soaked. But what a reflection on the grace of the Lord, that it's not just a little bit that washes it away. It's full and complete pardon and peace. It's the washing of regeneration that just never stops. It's the kind of rain that they had in Europe this week where it just doesn't quit. This is what God's grace is like in our lives where it washes it away to the point that you never even know it was there. That is what God's forgiveness is like for us. We are washed. We are clean. We're cleansed. Now go get your hands dirty. <laughs> Not by going back and restarting the same cycle, but by doing the things that God calls you to do. See, we, God created us to work. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 are about being cleansed, washed, forgiven by the grace of God. But verse 10 says we're 
His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we get our hands dirty with the godly kinds of works that don't defile. We follow Jesus where he leads you. Follow Jesus where he leads. Follow his example. Jesus was the one who approached lepers and those who were ostracized from the community because they were unclean. Jesus, who told a parable about the good Samaritan, the only one who would approach the man who had been robbed and beaten because these others were concerned about their cleanliness, but not about the man. Jesus, whose hands were dirty, whose hands were pierced for us, ate meals with sinners, washed the feet of his disciples. What is he calling us to do? Not to stay so clean that we're uncommon, (laughs) that we don't go to the marketplace, that we avoid people and crowds and surfaces and touching, and we stand back and let the world go where it will. But he calls us to take those clean hands and serve and bring cleanliness and the washing that people need so desperately to more and more in our communities. Give us clean hands. Give us hands to serve. 